This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Look, both teams are six and five. Both teams are in the AFC, but um, you know you got to prepare to play a game. You got to prepare to play your best game. And you know, the further we play, and the longer we get into the end of the season, each each week will present scenarios. Um, but you know, it's a good team. It's a team that uh, has played well this year, and, and they're playing with confidence. That, of course, was the voice of the Broncos coach, Sean Payton, talking about the Houston Texans, who are indeed playing with confidence. And why wouldn't they be? They have a quarterback that isn't playing anything at all like a rookie. Joining us to talk about that and more with the Broncos is our friend from Fox 31, Mick Miller. You can follow him on uh, social at Mick Miller, M-Y-C-K. And, uh, Mick, thank you for joining us. First question, uh, after seeing Aaron Rodgers, how's your Achilles feeling? My Achilles is feeling great. My confidence is not feeling so great. And I'll tell you what the worst part of the whole Aaron Rodgers situation is. And for people that don't know, I tore my Achilles at the end of July at it, repaired in August. So I'm at four months recovery now. This is really good, by the way, for normal humans. it's great. You're killing it. It's great for a normal human being. But Aaron Rodgers is making me look not like a normal human being. It's the amount of family members and friends that are texting me and calling me being like, Dude, you should be ready to go for snowboard season. What's up? Aaron Rodgers is out there getting ready to go play for the Jets. So, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers maybe. made me look bad for the last couple months. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, I would tell your friends yeah. to tell your friends slow to down a bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, slow their roll yeah, exactly. on Rodgers playing just a bit. Even Rodgers is now starting to say things like, eh, I'm not so sure I'll be playing. You know, they have 21 days to decide. We'll see what happens there. But must, could you have imagined even – two or three weeks ago, that the most consequential game in the NFL in week 13 would be Denver at Houston. No, that's something that you would never even imagine in your wildest dreams, not only because the Denver Broncos started 1-5 and five to start the season, but let's be honest, the Houston Texans basically since they parted with Deshaun Watson, which we're starting to see was a really good decision on their part. We didn't really think... Yeah, to look at all the draft picks they got. Gonna, yeah. yeah, exactly. We didn't think this was really going to be a team that was going to be vying for a playoff spot, you know, for at least a couple of years. But you got a guy in D'Amico Ryans who's done a tremendous job, and part of his job looking so good is the play of his quarterback, who I won't even label a rookie quarterback because I haven't seen a quarterback of this caliber play at this high of a level. And, guys, remember, Ohio State quarterbacks tend to have this stigma around them yeah. that they don't pan out in the National Football League. So all of this going against C.J. Stroud, this is a matchup where – if you would have said at the start of the season, hey, the problem, probably the best game you know, of the week was yeah. going to be either Eagles or Niners or Broncos and Texans, I would have <laughs> been like, there's absolutely no way that the Broncos and Texans game would have been on par with Eagles and 49ers, but here we are. Well, Eagles and 49ers both can make the playoffs and they'll win their divisions, uh, no matter who wins on Sunday. It, this is one of those games where the winner is more likely than not to make the playoffs and the loser has, at best, a 1-5 in five shot. Yeah, I mean, Mick, from Pro Football Focus, uh, their calculations were if the Broncos win, their playoff odds jump to 64%. If they lose, 21. I mean, this is kind of a, a make-or-break game. But the fact that they're in it at all is pretty remarkable. And I think for the one thing, if you're a Broncos fan and you're looking forward to this game, it's that it's earned. Uh, they didn't luck their way into this. It was very easy to pack their pack the season up at one and five. They chose not to. They they fought their way back. This is earned. And so I think for fans that are looking for this ship to get slowly turned around, this feels legitimate. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, at one and five, remember the conversation surrounding this team was who's going to get traded, who are they going to keep, and what kind of draft picks and quarterback will they potentially draft next year with Caleb Williams, Drake May, and all those quarterbacks coming out. And then all of a sudden, Sean Payton has found a formula that has gotten Russell Wilson not back to his, you know, when he was at peak era. Uh, when he was in Seattle, but, you know, Russell Wilson's playing really well. The offense is playing really great. The defense has been fantastic, and the turnaround for the Denver Broncos is something that is really miraculous. It's one of the best stories in the NFL right now, and Listen, Broncos country has been waiting for meaningful football games to take place in December. Today's December 1st. The game's in a couple of days. So for them to have meaningful football games and a matchup that will potentially determine whether or not they go to the postseason this year, it's something that this fan base has been clamoring for. And I think we really do have to give Sean Payton and Vance Joseph their respect because, listen, we were criticizing them, and deservedly so, at 1-5. and five. They took that criticism, they turned that energy into positive energy in that locker room, and now we're looking at a Denver Bronco team that is setting themselves up for a potential playoff implications on the line, and that's something I never would have thought would have happened at one and five. Well, one of the things is you mentioned Russell Wilson, who turned 35 on Wednesday this week, so now 35 years old, and I guarantee you when he came to Denver, he wasn't thinking I'll average, oh, 190, 200 yards passing uh, in this season, but here he is doing that and winning there is, a, I think, a lot about Russell Wilson. We just talked about it before he came on in basketball, about Damian Lillard moving to another team and accepting going from being the star to being a guy that is going to be more complimentary. Russell Wilson has not been able to join the Broncos and be the star. And right now, what he's doing is, is nothing like what he's done before. At the same time, this is a guy that's, I think, done an awfully good job sublimating his ego. You haven't heard him talk any differently about the way the stats have gone and go ahead and do what the team needs him to do in order to win. What do you make of Russell Wilson's season, not only just the counting stats, but the fact that the Broncos, when they get into the red zone, actually pass the ball more than any other team in the league? Look at all the things that we criticized Russell Wilson for last year. It was the subway commercials. It was the social media. It was the red zone efficiency. And then you fast forward to this year, all of the things that we criticized him for last year, we are no longer criticizing. We are actually complimenting. We're complimenting the fact that, like you said, he is so good in the red zone. We're complimenting the fact that he has bought in to a Sean Pistol. Sean Payton system and culture, and he really has stayed off social media for the most part, buying into what Sean Payton has asked him to do. So I think that Russ deserves a lot of credit because, listen, you know quarterbacks, they have the biggest ego in the room and the locker room. They want to get all the credit, and they don't want to get all of the, the criticism that gets thrown their way. But Russell Wilson, like you said, he's averaging 186 passing yards and wins <laughs> this season. I'm pretty sure that's not the formula that Russell Wilson wanted wins to come in, but give him a lot of credit because he has bought in and he's put winning first above his ego. And as a result, the Denver Broncos are playing their best football. And it's a scenario where Sean Payton, I think, one of the reasons that he was brought in to quote-unquote fix Russell Wilson is because he's such a good offensive mind. I think when we think of Sean Payton offenses, we think of all those Madden-type numbers that Drew Brees put up when he was in his prime. But remember, those last couple years when Drew Brees was handling injuries, he wasn't able to drive the ball down the field like he used to. There was games where Teddy Bridgewater had to play or Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. And Sean Payton found a way to put a formula offensively that played best to his personnel. And I think the first couple of weeks when we saw the Denver Broncos 
struggle offensively. And as a team, it was Sean Payton trying to figure out what formula he needed to put together to make winning football, and they found it. It's good defense, good in the red zone, and ride those three running backs and let Russell Wilson play and play action on those ad-lib plays. So give a lot of credit to Sean Payton for figuring out the formula and give a lot of credit to Russell Wilson for buying in on that formula. And subjugating his ego because even in the five straight wins, you mentioned his uh, seasonal average of 186 yards per game. Even during the five-game winning streak, he's only averaging 202 yards per game. But the rest of the numbers are sparkling. Eight touchdown passes, zero picks. He's on a five-game streak of at least one touchdown pass without a single interception, third longest of his career, longest current streak going in the NFL, completing almost 72% of his passes and a passer rating of 109.5. He'll take all those numbers. I want to ask you about three other guys offensively who were doing nothing or next to nothing uh, during most of the first half of the season and now have been excellent over the last four weeks, uh, Garrett Bowles, I thought, played the best game he'd ever played against Miles Garrett the other day. And you have Samanje Pirine, who has become Denver's best all-around back. And, of course, Cortland Sutton, who has made big catch after big catch, uh, even as Jerry Judy's role seems to be receding uh, into the background. Uh, your impressions of those three guys and how they've set kind of a tone of a grittiness and top-level performance when it's been called upon. Yeah, I mean, starting with Garrett Bowles, I think, like you said, he's done such a good job this season. I think he has – I think Sean Payton's offense has really allowed Garrett Bowles' best characteristics to shine. I think not having Russell Wilson in the shotgun so much, I think not having – to have so many pass-blocking attempts for Garrett Bowles has allowed him to play his best football. And this is an offensive line that I think really is best when they're in play action, when they're running the football. And so, Sean, give credit a lot to Sean Payton. He's put Garrett Bowles in a lot of positions where he's now playing his best football and give a lot of credit to Garrett Bowles. I mean, coming off that horrific leg injury last year, he put in a lot of work. We know how close he and Russell Wilson are. So I think Garrett has done a great job of protecting that left side of the line, and he's done a great job of leading this team. As you talked about Samaje Piran, I mean, there's a lot of guys in the NFL that I wouldn't want to tackle, but Samaje Piran probably is on the top five of that list. It seems every single time he touches the football, one guy's not going to be able to bring him down. So to be have to be able to have that weapon coming out of the backfield, whether it's in the run game or whether it's when Russell Wilson does that little flip pass to him, you got to send at least two or three guys to tackle Samaje. And so I think he has also brought veteran leadership. Obviously, he's had a lot of success playing in Cincinnati the last couple of years. I think he brings a veteran presence that has helped the Denver Broncos. And then when you talk about Cortland Sutton, I mean, last year only had, what, two touchdown receptions? Right. We were criticized him a lot. But I think he really has adopted this Michael Thomas-type role that, you know, Sean Payton had in New Orleans where he is – the big-time threat when it comes to the red zone. And I think his demeanor, I, you know, one of the things I criticized Cortland for last year was 
he was a captain. He had that C on his jersey. But I just felt like that a lot of times last year, he had really bad body language. And I think this year, the body language as a result of being targeted in the red zone has also improved. But I think he also took it upon himself to be a better leader. And he obviously is the leader in that wide receiver room. So, you know, these three guys obviously have been a huge contributing factor to the Denver Broncos offense playing well. And listen, I think it's these three personalities that have made the Denver Broncos offense not need the feel to be a Kansas City type offense or one of these high octane offenses, because I think these three guys are blue collar, get it done, do whatever is asked of them. And as a result, we've seen the Broncos offense be efficient and do enough to win games. And that's what has led to their five game win streak. As strange as it sounds, we're talking with Fox 31's McMiller, the idea that, uh, C.J. Stroud might be the most dangerous quarterback they've faced when you're talking about this five-game streak plus this, even though it was Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Uh, Mahomes, you know, was under the weather. Allen has been kind of, uh, although a lot of the numbers are good, he's been kind of a mess, and you don't know game from game where he's been. Stroud has been consistent all year long. There's an argument to be made out of the six-game run. He might be the best quarterback. They have an explosive offense. They have big playability. The Broncos haven't really faced a team quite like this in this run, in part because maybe the Chiefs were uh, not at their best. But do you believe the offense in this game, as it continues to evolve for the Broncos, will be able to at least keep pace with Houston? Yeah, I think this is going to be a great test for the Denver Broncos offense because obviously coming off a 29-point uh, outburst against the Cleveland Browns, who are considered the best defense in the National Football League. Now you have a scenario where you do have to get in a shootout because the Broncos basically didn't have to get in a shootout with the Cleveland Browns because of their struggles offensively. And the two games against the Chiefs, you know, they didn't really have to get into a shootout because the Chiefs' offense has struggled. But yeah, I think CJ Stroud is playing quarterback in a way that we haven't seen a rookie quarterback play in recent memory. And I think it's because they're not asking him to be Peyton Manning right out of the gate. It's not like he goes up and has a bunch of different audibles or a bunch of different reads. It's one, two, and he either takes off or he throws it away. He's playing really intelligent football. The way that he's able to process defenses, to process his reads is something that's very, very impressive. And so this might be a scenario where Sean Payton's like, okay, let's turn back the clock, Russell Wilson. Let's turn back you know, my play sheet, and let's start putting some points on the board because – on the road in Houston, I think the Texans understand the magnitude of this. They're a rookie. They're a young team. They want to go out there and perform in front of their hometown crowd. So I do think this is a scenario where Sean Payton and that offense, they're going to have to be explosive unless the X factor of this five-game win streak, which is the defense, comes out of the gate and just turns these guys over. Then you have a scenario where maybe you just run Samaj P. Ryan and Javante Williams and milk the clock. But, yeah, it's going to be a chess move a lot this Sunday, and I think that the Denver Broncos defense is really what's going to be key. Can they turn over C.J. Stroud, who has only five interceptions on the year, three of those coming in one game? You look at these two coaches, and I want to get your thoughts. Because, of course, uh, Greg Penner said this week, well, you know, yeah, D'Amico Ryan's a fine young coach, but we weren't really nearly as interested. When Sean Payton was our guy all along. Uh-huh. We know pretty much for a fact that they went back to three people at least a second time. Jim Harbaugh, D'Amico Ryans, and Sean Payton. Who got it right? Or did both get it right? Did Houston get it right that D'Amico Ryans was the best coach for them 
and did Denver get it right that out of those three, Sean Payton turns out maybe to be the best coach for them right now? <laughs> I think both teams got it right. The analogy I would use is kind of like all those girls that denied me in high school. I just was like, now I'm like, yeah, no, I didn't really, wasn't that interested. Right. With. But I, right. I think both of these teams, of you know, 11 games in, I think both of these teams found exactly what they needed. Nico Ryan, obviously a native of Houston. I believe his wife is from Houston. He played there. Yes, I of think course. He fits exactly. He was always going. Needed. He was always going. Yeah, and I think – and I think Sean Payton fits exactly what the Broncos needed because one of the criticisms of many criticisms I had Nathaniel Hackett, his staff, and the team last year is they didn't have that, you know, that I can't use the word, but you guys kind of know what I'm talking about, where you have that personality who will stick his foot up. Where well, I, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a word that's really a neutral word, gravitas. I, I, just yeah. Hackett, and, and this is going to sound personal, I really don't mean it to be, he had kind of this goofy, almost buffoonish personality. And, uh, you know, Sean Payton is certainly no one's idea of a charmer, but he's clearly a serious football coach, and I'm not sure Hackett came across that way. Yeah, and I think that's what Russell Wilson needed. Russell Wilson needed a strong-willed coach. He had success with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, strong-willed coach. Sean Payton, strong-willed coach. And I think that's what this team needed. I will say, though, I am so grateful that Jim Harbaugh is not the coach because had Harbaugh come <laughs> to Denver, we would have just had, you know, so many problems that we would have had to work out with this personality. And listen, he is having success in Michigan. Obviously the whole sign feeling is a big controversy, but I think at the end of the day, Greg Penner and the ownership, they'll be able to say whatever they want, but I do think they, you know, we're flirting with D'Amico Ryan. Sure. At the end of the day, I think they ended up finding the perfect head coach for what they needed this year and moving forward. He is Mick Miller. Give him a follow on social at Mick Miller. That's M-Y-C-K over at Fox 31 and the host of Colorado Sports Night at Channel 2 KWGN every weeknight as well. Mick, always good to talk to you. Wanted to break down this game as we talked about before. It's the biggest Broncos game in seven years and, well, two weeks. But, I mean, it's been that long. So, uh, fun to talk about this one. Thanks for the insight and have a wonderful weekend. Awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Have a good weekend. All right. Thanks so much, Mick Miller, joining us. And, uh, yeah, it has been that long since the Broncos have had a game of this level of importance. I mean, you know, we're not going to get ahead of ourselves, but, uh, you know, down the road, you'd like to get to the big one. And whether they get there or not, you can, because you can win a trip to the biggest football game of the year, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Superbook will fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game. They'll also give you two tickets to the game and a three-night hotel stay. Easy to get. All you do is place a $25 same-game parlay between now and January 7th, and then you're automatically entered to win. It's just that simple. So wager and win a super trip to Las Vegas, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Some of the stuff that Mick uh, mentioned there I think we want to break down, and also an interesting comment by Pat McAfee over at ESPN that we want to play for you as well. We'll do both of those next on My Life Sports. Spread love to all of my dead thugs. I pour out a little Louis to a head above. Yes, sir. And when I perish, the meek shall inherit the earth till that time is on and popping. Church. Like Don Bishop. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. When when you get going, um, it's their team. You know we're all a part of it, but 
um, this season. In you know, the players um, begin to hold each other accountable. They they begin to play for each other. That's one of the great traits that you see is when um, they don't want to let each other down in their play, and I think that's a really good trait for any team to have. Broncos coach Sean Payton talking about uh, his charges, now winners of five in a row, an opportunity to have a uh, a defining, a statement win for the Broncos, for Payton altogether on the road in Houston against the Texans. It will not be an easy game. Sandy, we've kind of looked at it, and, and as we try to sort of preview it and break it into bits and pieces, it feels like as close to a coin toss as NFL games generally get. I think it's a 50-50 game. I really do. Um, we mentioned earlier uh, the football power index at ESPN uh, measures the game favoring Houston, but only by an average of one and a half points. They do all kinds of game simulations. You get the idea. And gives Houston less than a 54.5% chance of winning the game. That's the I don't know. To me, it's 50-50 uh, right on the button. Uh, Tank Dell has a calf injury that limited him in practice this week. Uh, he's being, I think, described as questionable. Yes. For the game. And, and that that gives you the sense he's probably going to play, but he may not be 100%. And, you know, that, that would give the Broncos, if he can't go or if he isn't 100%, a chance to put Satan on Collins, mm-hmm. which would – be a nice luxury for the Broncos to have uh, in this game. But to me, as we outlined at the beginning of the show, it all comes down to uh, the biggest forces on the field in this game. C.J. Stroud as quarterback of the Houston Texans and Denver's transform transform defense (laughs) has gone from giving up 10 touchdowns in one game to nine touchdowns last in the five. last six. Six, you're right. Six games. That's stunning. Nine touchdowns given up in six games after giving up ten in one and, game earlier this year. Two of those games historically bad defensive. We're against Kansas City. Two of those last six are against the Chiefs. Right. Right. Correct. So you know, I, I they get gave the, up what one touchdown in two games to Kansas City. Yeah, I think. Yeah, well, Kansas City was held to 19 and 9 in the two games. Yeah, and three field goals here. So, my question would be although you, you have brought that up, Patrick Mahomes, at least in the second game, was, was sick. Yeah. Uh, and he was yeah. really sick. I think it was pretty obvious. Uh, you played Jordan Love, who's been good, but se- seemed to really catch in the last month. Josh and Allen. Green Bay as a team got a lot better yeah. after they lost to the Broncos, which. But is the last two weeks, you had backup quarterbacks. Yes, you did. You know, How much and of this get defense no backup in CJ Stroud? Do he's, you believe has been? He's great. I'm not going to say a mirage because I don't think oh, it's no. a mirage. Oh no! But how much oh, no. of this last run has been somewhat, I guess, overvalued by the fact that the quarterbacking that they faced for the most part has not been the best? Well, even though some of the names most certainly are, they've been a top five defense against opposing quarterbacks during this five-game winning streak. That's undeniable. Uh, They've given up 18 points per game, uh, which is top half of the league over that, uh, well, not exactly five weeks, but weeks nine through 12. Quarterbacks have not played well against them uh, in the last four weeks. And the first of those four weeks, of course, for Denver was a bye week, so we're really talking about three games. 
where they, they just seem to keep, be getting better and better and better and better. And, and Cleveland was supposed to have some issues at quarterback, but there's nothing wrong with their running game. There's nothing wrong with their receivers. There's nothing wrong with their offensive line, or at least it didn't seem to be. And the Broncos made them look bad. Uh, and, and not just because they were playing uh, a second-string quarterback, third-string quarterback, however you want to term it. DTR went out, and P.J. Walker came in, and now this Sunday uh, they're starting Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Uh, so you get you get the idea there. Um, as Gary Kubiak might say, we're fixing to find out, I guess, uh, on in Gary's hometown, or close to it, uh, Houston, head coach there in Houston, and uh, had a – by Houston Texan standards, apart from D'Amico Ryan's, uh, more success than any other coach has had, including Bill O'Brien, who might have had a better overall record than Gary, but wasn't as successful uh, for as long a period of time as Gary was in Houston. Of course, Gary comes here and wins a Super Bowl his first year here as the head coach. But this this is a question of it. You're going against a hot defense uh, if you're C.J. Stroud, but Denver's defense is looking at C.J. Stroud, who in weeks 9 through 12 has been one of the top five quarterbacks by any measure in the NFL. And uh, the whole key to the game is multiple turnovers forced by Denver or takeaways, if you prefer that term. If Denver can get two or more takeaways, I think their chances of winning the game go up from about 46 47% to maybe 66 or 67%. Just with multiple takeaways, doesn't matter if they're fumble recoveries or picks. Uh, you can't count on Stroud making a lot of mistakes. He's thrown five picks all year. Three came in one game, and they won that game. <laughs> and they still scored more than 20 points, even though he threw three picks against the Arizona Cardinals Here, recently. Here's what might be the difference in the game. The Denver Broncos, as we know, uh, earlier this week, had Will Lutz named as the AFC Special Teams Player of the Month. He has solidified that position for the most part and looked really good. For the Texans, it's been a mess. Of course, you had Fairbairn for a while, and then now he had had Matt Amendola. Yeah, uh, who has him great. Amendola, remember that they lost, Texans lost last week to the Jaguars, right, when they lost 24 to 21. That was a 58 or 59 yarder. Right. It was a long one, and it doinked off the crossbar. But he missed both. But he's missed. He missed both. From shorter distances than that. So, yes, Denver and the kicking game. And keep in mind, they, they waived him. They waived him after the game, Amendola, and then brought him back this week to their practice squad. Now, they tried Brett Maher. Of course, Broncos gave that a try. It, Taylor Russolino as well. At the moment, it appears that since Fairbairn is still hurt, Amendola yes. will be elevated and kick against the Broncos at the moment because they tried Matt Maher and Russolino and didn't sign either one. But going into a game in which you talked about is more or less 50-50 and a one-and-a-half-point difference, the kicking game looms large. Oh, I agree. And so for the Broncos, I think that sort of under the radar sneaks in as a pretty significant factor in this game. I mean, uh, look, kickers, we know a lot of it's in in your head and everything. How would you like to be Amendola? You go into, they wave you. They wave you. They bring you back to the practice squad, and then this week they're probably like, that's all right, come on back, kick against the Broncos. You can't feel exactly confident. No, I think that's, and, a, I think that's a big part know, of this game. You know that the crowd will get, be all over him. If he misses, if he misses one. Even right. one. It doesn't matter from where he's kicking. It, if he misses, they'll be all over Yeah, this would be one for the kicking game. It'd be easier if they were on the road. But they're not. They're yeah. at home. Right. And so there's, there's a tremendous amount of, of pressure here. And – 
I, I think for the Broncos, this is one of the bigger parts of the puzzle. Obviously, they, they cannot, if to the Broncos, you have to win the turnover battle. Now, you've been doing that. You have to do it again. And that's not going right. to be easy because we know Stroud does not turn it over uh, very often at all. But the Broncos have been very good, uh, Justin Simmons in particular, but they have got, gotten better at the at interceptions. They've been kind of ball hockey with Jaquan McMillan and Moreau being added. That's a big part of this equation for the Broncos, too. We talked about it earlier in the week. Those two guys uh, kind of jump-started this defensive backfield. And I think that the play of P.J. Locke, who's been superior, in my opinion, and I think yours as well, to Kareem Jackson. Like Jackson's that. absence, I don't think, is a I factor. Like I think Locke has, has, has taken that role. And with the unfortunate Although injury the last to Caden time Stearns, they played in Houston. Uh, it was Jackson, the Jackson was a, game. He was extraordinary in that game. Uh, he's the not going to be available was the quarterback, remember? Yeah, we haven't heard anything about uh, his purported meeting with Roger Goodell. So uh, I presume probably good, because there's nothing much. Good to news is probably or, uh, no news is not good news for Kareem Jackson. So for the Broncos, I, I think if they can get out against Stroud and continue to get a pass rush, I think there are a well, couple interceptions to get. I, I really do. I, I think there could be uh, sacks are big. Um, I'm just looking at the most recent five games he's played. He was sacked twice at Carolina. Yeah, he doesn't and they take lost them like that Wilson game. does, for sure. Uh, but he was sacked three times in the Tampa Bay game uh, at home, which they won. Sacked once by Cincinnati in a game at Cincinnati that they won. Sacked three times against Arizona in a game that they won at home. And last week against Jacksonville at home, uh, they lost 24-21. He was sacked four times. Now, Jacksonville is a very good pass. Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe better than Denver's. But you're talking about uh, these last five games, 11-13. Sacks. So they're, been he is willing it. to take the sack. He's another one, although he's mobile. He's willing to take the sack rather than throw the pick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, takeaways are going to be big, but sacks can be drive killers too, just as penalties can. You don't need a drive ending play. You need a drive killing play. And the Broncos have been making those too. They've been making drive ending plays with all the takeaways they've had the last four or five weeks, four or five games. But they've also been killing drives with sacks that come in a timely way. Uh, fourth quarter pass rush. Again, I think this is one of those games. If it's tight after three, the team that's putting more pressure on the quarterback in the fourth quarter will be the winner because that's likely to be the team that forces the mistake that will lead to the kicking game, and that edge belongs to Denver. The Broncos, when it comes to sack totals, Nick Benito leads the team with seven. Jonathan Cooper with five and a half. Interestingly, of course, Benito more or less relieves Cooper. Uh, one subs in for the other now at this point. Baron Browning with three. Zach Allen with three and a half. Nobody else on the team with more than one. So you kind of have the idea of where the pressure comes from. And the guys with one, by the way, uh, Randy Gregory, one of them, not even on the team anymore. Uh, Elijah Garcia with one. Not Who playing. never dresses out. Right, doesn't even dress. A Jewel with one and P.J. Locke with one as well. This isn't a defense with, way Vance Joseph calls it, that calls a lot of blitzes out of the defensive backfield. There are some, but it is not common. Kind of playing it more or less straight and expecting to get it. Now, 
uh, a major loss on the offensive line. Titus Thomas is going to be out for that for the game and for a while. The season out for the season for the Houston Texans. Have you seen enough from the Broncos in these last four or five games to indicate that Benito Cooper, Allen, and Browning will be enough to get pressure on Stroud? We'll see. Uh, I, I I see no reason why they shouldn't be able to get significant pressure on him. Um, the other part of all this, to look to the other side, is Will Anderson, uh, who was the other top draft pick. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Remember they had the two of the top three picks, mm-hmm. and they took Stroud, and then they took Will Anderson. Best defensive player in the country. he's kind of yeah. gotten lost in the shuffle, but he's a definite candidate for Defensive Rookie of the Year honors. Definitely, no doubt. In my mind, the Broncos have to get him handled. And, you know, they handled Miles Garrett last week. Let's see what they do against Will Anderson. But Will Anderson's one of those guys who's good enough to wreck a game. Oddly, some of the pressure from the Texans doesn't come from the outside. Sheldon Rankins is second on the team in sacks at four. Uh, Malik Collins at 2.5. Those guys are both nose tackles. They play on the inside. Yeah. They do manage to do what quarterbacks hate the most, pressure right up the middle. Yep. Now, I think Russell Wilson tends to roll out almost so quickly that that I don't know if it's quite as impactful. But this is a major game for Ben Powers and Lloyd Cushenberry. I'm not that worried about Quinn Miners, who I think you brought up earlier in the show and said might have been the Broncos' most consistent, best offensive player, yeah, period. I mean, if you had year. a vote for offensive MVP, Miners would get my but vote. But Cushenberry is the one that uh, – Cushenberry and, and Powers worry me. You know, Jonathan Greener does seven. Uh, Anderson, as you yeah. brought up, with three around yeah. the edges. Yeah. But I worry about pressure up the middle right. for the Denver right. Broncos offense. Right. And, uh, and the guards tend not, you know, center two, tend not to be as adept as pass blockers. And I, I think the one guy who's most questionable on the line as a pass blocker is Powers. And Cushenberry might be the second most vulnerable. Um, you know, again, from the outside, uh, Bowles has handled himself at least recently quite well. And McGlinchey's main problem this year to me has been the false starts and he's cut those out right. in recent weeks. Right. So it feels like the pressure on the inside is more of the concern. We'll take a look more at this game, make our picks, and tell you what else we'll be watching this weekend on a great, great sports weekend that starts really in just a few minutes. We'll talk about that as well next on My Life Sports. You found a new girl and it only took a couple weeks. Remember when you said that you wanted to give me the world? Good for you. I guess that you've been working on yourself. Don't sweat the technique. Sandy Cuff and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. It is Football Friday. Thanks for listening. Of course, it's your show as well. We want to go to some of those texts. Danny Bailey has been in the booth kind of monitoring, and you had a couple you wanted to bring up, Danny. Absolutely. First one here from Broncos 60. Big picture. Broncos country win Sunday. Super Bowl quarterback Wilson, Super Bowl coach Sean Payton, Houston rookie coach, rookie QB. Wow. Yeah. Except the rookie coach is a coach of the year candidate, uh, as is Sean Payton. But you I know suppose. what? I think there's something to uh, the, that. The though. rookie QB doesn't play that way. And, it, you know, Sean Payton won a Super Bowl. And, yeah, that was 14 years ago. I, I don't know. 
Uh, Wilson won a Super Bowl. That was a long time ago. I think ago. experience matters in mm. in close and critical games. I don't think it's it's you know if you were to put a difference on it, I'd say okay, maybe it's worth a point. Maybe it is. Uh, I think that quite frankly, Will Lutz compared to Amendola is worth more than that. But I do think that there is some. I think there's something to that. I mean, if I'm going to trust on the last drive of the game, I do think I'm going to trust Russell Wilson a little more than C.J. Stroud, but not oh, much. Oh, I don't not know. Much. Not, not in C.J. Stroud's building. I, I'm I'm not with you on that one. But I, I, I think, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't think it I think it's receivers. If, no, I, I don't in know. Ordinarily, about, you're right. Super winning coach, quarterback with that experience. But as, I don't know as about Dell's health, talked but about, they've got better receivers. They've coach got of the better year quarterback. And they got a coach who is, it, I know he's a first-year coach, but not all first-year coaches are like right. Josh McDaniels and Nathaniel Hackett Correct. were here. And I think Denver fans tend to, the, oh, first-year coach, that's Josh McDaniels. That's Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, no. Just Denver's look around the league. Coaches. Look at Kevin O'Connell his first Mike year. Mike McDaniel and was look a, at it. Mike McDaniel was good. Coach, yeah. And D'Amico Ryan Taylor is a Cincinnati. legitimate yeah. coach of the year candidate. And uh, C.J. Stroud it, I mean, barring something bizarre, he is the rookie of the year. Just that's that's that. He is. I mean, it's, it's, He's I mean, the rookie of the you're year. You're talking about the best rookie in in the NFL. So it's uh, I don't know how much that necessarily matters, but it, look, it, it it's not bad to have the experience by any stretch. What else, Danny? And the next one here from uh, Man of the People: a third of Wilson's completions are swing passes. Sean could throw those. Well, you. That's another one I think you is may be unfair. unfamiliar with my four uh, shoulder surgeries, but otherwise, uh, yes, I mean that, maybe. But uh, I, some of his swing passes are also getting dropped. Right. I actually think that the, quite frankly, I think the swing passes would have been a better, more impactful part of this offense. I think there have been times we've watched passes get dropped that could have gone for twenty to twenty more yards. Right. I I'm I never I've never had a problem, Sandy, with the idea of game manager. Because I think it encompasses an awful lot. Uh, yes, you tend to think of the Trent Dilfer types where your job is just don't screw it up. But the, Trent Dilfer has a Super Bowl ring, okay? Uh, Jeff Hostetler has a Super Bowl ring. Uh, there are quarterbacks that have had pretty good careers that have been quote-unquote game managers. If your team's strength is on defense and the point is not to turn the ball over, and this year especially, the league has been trending that way, but it is extreme to this stage. It is risk averse. That is the way teams are calling their offense, risk averse. And that includes Kansas City. That includes Philadelphia. What is hap- What's the, the, the quarterback of the league that has the most talent that is not risk averse? Josh Allen. Where are the Bills? Right now, out of the playoffs, behind the Denver Broncos. This is a risk averse league right now, and that is a safe, smart pass that yeah. can, with the right backs, turn into a big play. I don't look at that and think that's a bad thing. For the Denver Broncos, the way they are, I think they should actually throw more swing passes, quite frankly, than they have. Uh, yeah, I have no if, beef if with Javante Williams would hold on to one that's occasionally. The, that's the that, problem. That'd be nice. Uh, P. Ryan doesn't drop them. And, and he's turned those into pretty a lot of first downs. You know, and I know it's tough to put McLaughlin out there because he's vulnerable uh, as a pass blocker. Well, and right now, he, the problem with McLaughlin, I've talked about this on social media, Astro if you want to give me a hard time on that. But right now, I liken it a bit, and I, Julius Thomas was a fabulous pass catcher. Part of the reason Julius Thomas' career didn't last as long as it did is because Julius Thomas became a human tell. 
if Julius Thomas was on the field, it was a passing play because he was so inept at run blocking that they basically gave well, the, gave the play away when he was on there. Right now, I, I have a different I have a different take on Julius Thomas. But right but, now, I think McLaughlin is yeah. the same thing. If he's on the field, well, everyone knows he's getting the ball, and that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, yeah, it has been, and it's affected uh, his ball carrying and his pass receiving. And I like Julio McLaughlin. I'd love to get in the ball more, but if there's no deception in the offense. Mims is the guy. Mims is the guy, and it started maybe a little more lately to become a matter of his at least getting on the field Mm -hmm. quite a bit more. And by the way, Mims, despite his size, not a bad blocker. No. I've gone over those plays when he's been on the field. He doesn't have to be great. He has to be willing to stick his nose in there and get in the way, and he's absolutely been willing to do that. Yeah. And that's the difference. I, I you know, n- nobody's sitting there saying the Broncos have the most dynamic offense in uh, the league no. by any means. And 202 yards a game during a five-game winning streak is not going to bowl you over. But look at every other measurement, and Wilson's been terrific. And, and how about this? You look at the catches by Samaj P. Ryan. He has 33 catches on the year. I know that's not dazzling. He's 337 yards. Not dazzling. But 16 of those, 16 of those 33 catches have gone for first down. six games left. I mean, he's going to catch 45 to well, 50 but, passes. But the point is that half the time Samaj P. Ryan catches it is literally half. It's a first down. He's converting the first downs at a very high rate. So yeah. why would you not throw those passes? The, the whole point, when you don't have an explosive offense, which the Broncos don't, is generate first downs and keep moving the well, ball down the field. Samaj P. Ryan's getting you at a 50% rate when he catches the ball. I do give Peyton most of the credit that I would assign to Peyton at this point. For being the type of coach who says, if something's working, and I, I wasn't so sure of this at the beginning of the year, right? But if something is working, keep doing it. Stay with it till they stop and you. If, if Sutton's my best receiver, uh, no, it, 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 he may not be the most talented anymore. But he, if he's my best receiver, yeah, we're going to him. He's going to be featured, and if if P Ryan's my best all around back. I'm not saying I'm going to play him more than Williams, but when he's in the game, he can do anything, and he's not a tell. They're, he's right. not a oh, tell. He's a brilliant, he can he's brilliant pick up let's, blitz. let's pick up. He's outstanding. He's a very good receiver. And he's a good and runner. And he's running the outside hard or inside. now, which he wasn't doing earlier in the season. And I don't know why I'm not offering an explanation or even particularly a criticism because he's playing great now. He is running harder now than he did earlier in the season. And they have found that he is, as a pass catcher, very reliable and converts first or second downs and third downs into first downs again and keeps you on the field. And so they have used him in those kinds of situations as someone who can be relied upon when they don't have the greatest group of pass-catching tight ends in the world, Uh, and they don't have a lot of depth at wide receiver. They have some guys who will catch one or two passes, and frankly, Jerry Judy has been one of those guys And during this five-game winning streak. He'll catch a pass or two, but the big guy is Sutton, and P. Ryan of the three backs is the most effective receiver. He is the best on blitz pickup, and he is running as hard as Williams is running, and Williams is running hard. Williams is getting a bulk of the carries, but on a yards-per-carry basis, P. Ryan's been better. Yeah, 
Uh, P. Ryan's averaging 4.8, Javante Williams 3.8. And then you go to the, the, it's kind of a weird stat too, because when you look at the receivers, uh, Adam Troutman has the lowest yards after catch, as you can imagine, at 47. But the second lowest on the team, out of guys that have caught 10 passes, is Sutton, who only has 100 yards after the catch all year, despite being the team's leading receiver. So yeah, it's more he's of, not really he's kind of become a possession guy. guy. But, but but no, but he's getting the 50-50 but look stuff at where, like he right, used to. Which is great. And look at where there's Four going. Years. Mims at 101, Judy at 151, McLaughlin at 172, Williams at 178, but Pirine in yards after the catch. Remember, Javante's second at 176. Samaj P. Ryan has 324 yards after the catch. Amazing. It is 150 yards better than the second best guy on the team. In fact, the second and third best guys on the team combined barely get over what P. Ryan yeah, gets right. after the catch. Right. So look, I, I, your I get it. It's Lady not sexy, but this is what works. It is complimentary football. It is not glorious, but it is working. And I agree with you. One of the things that the coaches do, and Sean Payton earlier in the year, I think, was one of those guys. I got to try everything that I think Far too often, yeah, they, they feel like I got to show how clever I am on the whiteboard. And Sean Payton has gone back to basics, and he's done exactly that. Until somebody stops it, we're just going to keep doing it. And it's not rocket science. And it's the right way, and it's winning football. It is. And against Denver's defense, how many times have we said during this five-game winning streak, why isn't the offense playing to its strengths? It is. This is the strength. This is it. Well, so, and the Broncos are doing what other teams offensively don't seem to be doing. Right. It took them all day, <clears throat> and he wasn't a good one. They finally got around to throwing it to him. But it seemed to take an awful long time to get Amari Cooper into the game the other day. Awful long time. Well, and even, even during that, they were busy passing when they should have been running. Exactly. Exactly. Passing the to guys got too who clever. reliable. I mean, and Joku drops every other pass that's thrown to him. That's been true all year. They talked about it on the telecast. The Cleveland coaches obviously talk about it. And Joku went as far as to apologize yes. to his quarterback for dropping so many passes on him and insisted that he would get better. Uh, he dropped two the other. They must have dropped six passes. I know Cooper was one of the pass droppers in, in that game, but they didn't run. And here's Mark Sanchez analyzing the game. What are they doing? Exactly. What the are they doing? They're one of the best running teams in the league. They won't run the ball. They were guys. scared to run the ball. Well, they got scared out of their running game. Uh, there is a lot of great football this weekend. Gosh, college football championships going. Uh, the, the final Pac-12 game is just about to kick off. But we'll look at the Broncos, Sandy. I, I think the Broncos are going to win this game straight out. I 20 don't to 17. Uh, I think that's about right. I think the Broncos are actually going to get a few more points, but I think you're talking about uh, maybe a 23-20. to 20. It's going to be a rock fight. But I'm with you. I think the Broncos stretch it to six and come out on top. Thanks to Danny Bailey in the booth. He makes everything work. Arif Dean joined us to talk about the Avalanche. They have games both Saturday and Sunday on the West Coast. Mick Miller from Fox 31 and a host of Colorado Sports Night on Channel 2 joined us as well. If you missed any part of the program, go check it out. Easy enough to do. MileEyeSports.com or the Sports app. You get all of it, plus all the great work for the Broncos. Cody Rourke's doing stuff this weekend. You'll want to check it out as well, as well as all the great basketball going on in Fort Collins and Boulder. Terrific time to be a Colorado sports fan. The Mile High Sports app is the place to get it. And don't forget, high school football championships tomorrow as well. We'll talk about all of it on Monday. Have a safe and wonderful weekend. Enjoy the first weekend of December. We'll be back in just a couple, but keep it right here.
on Violet Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. <laughs> I'm not the teacher.